It's the True Penny Show with your host, James True Penny. Hello and welcome to the True Penny Show. My name is James True Penny. This is my show, and today, normally around about this time of year, we take a wide sweeping look at all the matches that are happening in around WrestleMania weekend on the indie cards. From the switch companies as Ring of Honor, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Beyond Wrestling, GCW, and this year we can. Because they're not there. Because WrestleMania didn't go down the way it should have done because coronavirus. So welcome to Coronavirus Week 5, The Lock-In. Lockdown. But I think Lock-In sounds much more fun. And to replace our usual show where we look at the WrestleMania Indie Roundup, if you will, we decided to look at a card for a very good cause, which is Indie Mania. From our old dark overlords, it's Wrestle Talk. They're not really that dark. They're nice. They're quite, quite um, But they've done something pretty cool. So to join me to discuss this momentous two-day event is Mr. John Hinsdale of Steel Chair Wrestling Magazine. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm pretty good. This is one of the few times you've invited me on for non-deathmatch-related shenanigans. Um, there is some. There is some quite deathy things that go on <laughs> oh definitely yes definitely yes. But, but most of it is fairly standard fair and some of the best matches in indie wrestling of the last 15 years to be honest with you um and let, let's explain the concept i mean obviously wrestle talk had a lot of success with their no fans monday a couple of weeks ago which featured the main event of b3c versus the lost break and they kind of got to thinking that it would be a good idea for wrestlemania weekend to do something similar so they contacted all of the promotions that they have uh, deals with as far as the wrestling platforms is concerned, like Pro Wrestling Eve and GWF in Germany and obviously NDW, which is a big part of the WrestleTalk empire. Um, and they also talked to as many different indie companies around the world as they could, put together a best of indie wrestling. Um, and you've basically, you've got every company that isn't part of the GCW banner <laughs> represented with some of the really big matches of the last two or three years. Some of them will take you back very far into the recent indie wrestling past, and you remember how big certain things were and how cool they were, um, which I was very happy with, and some big main events as well. John, what was your thoughts of this overall concept when you heard about it? Um, I was happy to see it. Obviously, the more indie companies getting supported during times like this, the better. The downside was I had about three different things to choose from when it came to WrestleMania weekend, because there was this... There was Mania itself, and there was uh, Joy Janela's take on a similar thing, which was a uh, quarantine Mania. But, I mean, hats off to them. This must have taken an absolute arse ton of work. <laughs> I was, um, I'm mates with Alex Shane, obviously, from days gone past, and his LinkedIn page this week was, if you haven't been able to go old with me all week, here's why. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um... Yes, Alex has been. Alex apparently has been pulling all hours to try and get this thing together because there's a lot of companies they don't normally work with through their usual kind of like platforms from the WrestleTalk platforms that they that they work with. The whole show was put together by the wrestling agency, which is again part of the WrestleTalk network, and um, it was also sponsored by uh, I think it, I can't remember which TV companies with the streaming company it was. Turnbuckle, wasn't it? Well, there you go. Them's the ones. Yeah, Turnbuckle. Um, and uh, of course, WrestleTalk magazine. Um, so yeah, it was it was 
it was a really cool show. It's a really cool idea. And all the proceeds, if you go and give to the, I think it's the GoFundMe page. If you go to the GoFundMe page, you can give money, and all the money will be split between the promotions equally, which I think was really cool. So they get back something for us because obviously. For them, a lot of these people were going to put big shows on in Florida this last weekend, and you know it's a lot of major loss of major income as well as the lockdown across Europe, specifically in places like Spain and Italy, uh, which aren't represented here, but you have wrestling companies, obviously. Um, you know anything you could put on wrestling companies that don't normally get as much exposure as this is good. So we'll get to the actual wrestling then, shall we? There's a lot of it. There is. So it starts with an absolute classic, the Rev Pro Heavyweight, undisputed British Heavyweight Championship, defended by then-champion Zack Sabre Jr. against Katsuyori Shibata. This was it was a moving match for me, because obviously I haven't seen Katsuyori Shibata wrestle anyone since that fateful night in Osaka, and uh, his career ending very abruptly and very prematurely. So to watch him in full flyer with Zack Sabre Jr. at the height of his British Indie pomp. This is just before his turn to the dark side in Suzuki Goon. So he was still a little bit of a baby face. And his iconic image there of Katsuri Shibata sat in the middle of the ring as Zack Sabre Jr. sits on the bottom rope thinking, what do I have to do? It was a fantastic matchup. And it was one of, I think, I think if you picture anything that kind of encapsulates what Red Pro can do, and it was the quintessential British wrestling match. A big name import comes in to challenge for a title at the York Hall in Bethnal Green, London. What are your thoughts on this one, John? Well, I was under the same as you, really. It's nice to see Shibata wrestle again. And obviously, when you put him against Zack Sabre Jr., magic. That's, that's all you can describe, really, is magic. Yeah, it's outstanding. It's absolutely brilliant. I love this match. Um, and you know, at the times like Sabre Jr. hadn't quite signed for New Japan Pro Wrestling, but you could see he was going to slot into that house style so well. This was just a really smooth opening, like match to use for all of it, wasn't it? Big moment, big wrestlers, big action, a lot of people getting hoofed in the chest with kicks. Penny of the kicks are playing like the dead stiff, this was, but it was a lot of fun to watch. Um, and yeah, you're right. It kind of it sets the tone for what British wrestling's about right now, and, and what British wrestling has been about for like the last ten years or so. Should we move on to the next one? Yeah, this this was amazing. <laughs> we next went to over to Dublin Island for OTT over the top wrestling, who have some what's best described as incendiary so shows and have a, an incredible fan culture in Dublin. Um, and their their regular events there attract big crowds who are really throaty. And they kind of made um, uh, Session Moss Martina a world-famous wrestler by sheer force of will, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, and this was a classic example of that. This was Jordan Devlin, everyone's favourite wrestler, and David Starr, your favourite wrestler's favourite wrestler <laughs> going up against Walter and Loki, which if you haven't that written down as a match on paper as a tag team, Walter and Loki you go, what? This makes no sense um, and, but it's just, it's just ridiculously good and I, you know, I haven't watched much OTT before this, and keep meaning to and this was a good reason I should have done to be honest with you, of course OTT have that nice sweet deal with uh, 
WWE as a lot of their guys have gone to WWE, including Jordan Devlin and Walter. But this was just just so such a good example of what OTT do so well. Bring in big name imports, but get the local guys over and develop a relationship with the fans that's just absolutely outstanding. The, the, the fan atmosphere in this match was just off the page. What's your thoughts on this one, John? Yeah, I think this was my favourite match on night one. Just the odd dynamic of Walter and Loki is brilliant. <laughs> Seeing Loki wrestle in a suit. I still love Hitman Loki and wish we'd see it more often. David Starr trying to antagonise everyone and just getting punished like mad for it. So I think the weirdest thing was seeing Jordan Devlin work as a face. Yes, this was this was a bit of like you know, there's obviously been a long term comparison between Jordan Devlin and and Virgil Devitt, um, as Virgil was at the time. Well, it's not because about going to WWE by this point, and obviously Lo- the the actual um, Hitman gear that Loki wears in this match actually debuted at Wrestle Kingdom Eight in that ridiculous junior heavyweight title match between Prince Derek, Koshibushi and Loki. <laughs> That's a match that exists? Yes, it is. It was a big feud for Wrestle. I'm sure it was WrestleMania 8. It wasn't not Wrestle King, Wrestle, not WrestleMania 8, Wrestle Kingdom 8. Um, I think if you go and look it up, you should be able to find it on the network, I think, on New Japan World. I know what I'm doing after this. <laughs> um, but yeah, just, just insane. But again, it really showed you what OTT was about. Plus, I kept loving kept it every time the geometry was their mind. <laughs> was very often. The commentary on this is interesting. I think from because it's obviously it's different people in different places, and the the Irish crew were really slick and professional. Obviously, the Red Pro commentary too, Ollie Ogden and uh, Andy Queen, Andy Hugh, um, were great. That was absolutely fantastic listening to them doing commentary. And the commentary obviously is different promotion and but those are those are the probably I think the two best commentary teams on the show I would think. Dave Bradshaw commentates for a lot of what different promotions around the country but it's very slick and very professional. But you know it, 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 the indie companies they're working for, none of the production values seem to drop anywhere. I will say the smaller North American independents need to buy black curtain. That's the only thing I that's the only thing I kind of like say against them. Like all the European promotions work in dark buildings and have big lighting rigs, and the American promotions haven't quite got that big yet. But that's just me, anyway. <laughs> but yes, <laughs> watch this match. It's free because <laughs> it's amazing. Um, the next up, we went to the German Wrestling Federation, which was indeed commentated by Dave Bradshaw, and Tony Storm defended the Progress Women's Wrestling Championship against Vesna, the Croatian veteran. This was a corking match. Vesna has been a long-time uh, worker for DWF in, in Germany and has been a, a European standout for a long time. She wrestles a bit of a monster these days, and you can see why, but she's a very technically adept wrestler. Uh, been a big star in the eastern side of Europe for a long, long time. And, of course, Tony Storm, this was the period of time when she was, if I can remember correctly, she was also the world of starving champion at the same time. She was the hottest woman wrestler in the world, really outside of WWE, and was on her way to a full-time contract fairly quickly after this. And you just forget how red-hot she was, and she wrestled like a red-hot main eventer. You know, there, are, there is a kind of like visual representation of self-belief in wrestlers when they are the best thing going. And you see it in WWE guys all the time and New Japan guys all the time because they are the best wrestlers in the world. 
when you see it on an indie person who's doing a really cracking job and knows, knows they're doing a great job, they just shine about them. I know not everyone's, Tony isn't everyone's cup of tea, but she certainly has a major presence about what she's doing in this particular matchup. And when she was Progress Women's Champion, she had a lot of pressure on her. And I don't think necessarily Progress did as good a job with her as she did Progress, but that's my personal take. What are your thoughts on this, John? Uh, Vesna is terrifying. That's, <laughs> that's the first thing. I think I've only ever seen Vesna perform twice, and I think both of those were during 16 carrot shows for WXW. GWF's yeah. one of those promotions I always hear about, but I don't really get to see a lot of, so this was a nice treat. And the crowd were really into this as well, which definitely helped. Surprisingly English commentary from everybody as well, like the referee spoke, spoke English, the fans were speaking English. It's like a bit strange, but yeah, it works really well. GWF got a cracking product. We see more GWF in this, in this particular show later on, but yeah, it was it was really good. I really enjoyed this, and I enjoyed this matchup. And watching Tony Storm again, because I don't watch WWE, people are well aware of that. Um, just forget how good she was in this period. You know, she was so on it and such a, a big star, really, for an indie indie wrestler. This was kind of a farewell tour of the indie promotions, I think. I also found it quite odd that the um, were classing the Tiger Driver as a pile driver because yeah. there there was the big controversy of oh, will we see the Storm Zero because it's technically a driver move and they're illegal here. Was was it a tiger? She's never got it off, was it? Was it a tiger driver or was it an impact driver or a J driller? Because they're technically pile drivers. Hmm. Hmm. I always class Storm Zero as a. Is it Storm Zero or Strong Zero? Because the Strong Zero is Tony's finisher. Storm Zero is um, the air raid crash, isn't it? Yeah, I thought it was the the pingy tree, not the pingy tree case, and it was a. Rapingi Vice finisher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was Rapingi Vice finisher with the the well, uh, passive driver with the back. I was like, oh, it's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'll have to ask Rocky Romero on Twitter and see if he can tell me the difference. But yes, yeah, you're right. I think the, the strong zero pile driver is, is basically a stunt pile driver. Isn't it? I thought it was a nice little dynamic to add to the match. Yeah, I mean, the banning of pile drivers generally is a good thing, I think, because then it becomes special. Because, you know, and then, the, do you know the reason why the Road Warriors were so massively over in Memphis and sold out the Memphis Coliseum for like three months? You there, John? Mm, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I was just going <laughs> to <let you> continue. <laughs> no, anyway. Anyway. <laughs> The, the reason why was because, of course, the pile driver was banned in Memphis because the pile driver could damn near kill a man. And then uh, Jerry, Jerry Lawler gave a pile driver to Hawk uh, and he stood straight up again and the Memphis Coliseum went mental. And that's the reason why the Road Warriors were so massively over in Memphis because the move had been built up to be so super, super strong that, you know, you can create more boundaries. Everyone thinks boundaries are bad in wrestling, but boundaries are good in wrestling because they tie you down to make other things seem special. I suppose it always depends on how many boundaries you set, though. If you suddenly start banning everything, what's left to do? Well, yes, I mean, there is obviously the the Bill Watts approach (laughs) in 
in WCW where he banned moves off the top rope, banned Matt from ringside, and uh, banned hitting the ring post as well. That was another one. Um, yeah, <laughs> that was that was that made things a bit boring. But there is like you know, there's ways and moves. If you make a big fuss, if you just ban it and don't tell anyone, it's no point. But if you ban something and make a big fuss about it, then you can get results with it. It's like the um, matches of that honor and ring of honor tend to be like no whole parts for kind of matches or no big demo matches. But they only come across once very often, once in once in a while, which means they're very, very special. Definitely. Yeah. So we move on to the next match, which was an interesting one, because it was the first kind of not unknowns, because both these guys are quite well known. Lucas Steele and John Klinger, or Bad Bones, as he's more well known around Europe, uh, which was a WrestleGate Pro Show match. And they have big dad fight this. Proper dad fight. I like this. Big banging heads, kind of big dudes kind of thing. Lucas still not been on scene for that long. He's kind of very much like a prototype 90s wrestler with a bit more about him, to be honest. <laughs> he's like a big hulking guy, but he can actually go. He's got good cardio and he worked really well. Bad Bones has been very, very good for a long period of time and kind of always surprising that he's never really put on a big name indie level or got a contract with anyone else. I guess he's probably getting on a little bit to put the time and investment in for a major company, but you could see him doing like shots with All Japan or people like that every once in a while. What's your thoughts on this one, John? Yeah, I loved the violent brawl aspect of this, and I agree with you in the fact that how has Bad Bones never sort of reached the top? He's probably one of my favourite indie guys to watch. So... Seeing him against Lucas Steele, who is probably one of the top prospects at the moment, who's just been in, was it AJ? He's just been in all Japan, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. I mean, I'm, I mean, um, John Klinger, I mean, the closest I think he's been being in the North American show, he got like a, a tryout with Impact Wrestling um, a few years ago. Uh, and, you know, that's all I could think of. That he's like, I'm presuming he's probably had WWE tryouts, but. He just doesn't, I don't know. I, I think he was the wrong build of guy at the wrong time. You know, he was at his hottest like 10 years ago. And that kind of look and build and all those taps and one thing and another didn't quite fit with what the major companies wanted. And now it's exactly what the major companies wanted, but he's a bit too old for that, if that makes sense. Mm, I guess. I just love seeing him in action, especially because he's one of these anarchist-type wrestlers who... If they see an opportunity to just cause mayhem, we'll cause mayhem. <laughs> but Lucas Steele, hot prospect, I would say. He's got everything you need. He can move. He's, he's not stiff. He can brawl. He's going to be... I think he's going to be pretty good. No, we're definitely in agreement there. I mean, he and, got... He had a great... Mo- like, the great sort of reaction here where he had to work from under, which is something you wouldn't really expect with Lucas Steele. And, of course, WrestleGate Pro is produced by Gary Ward, who, of course, proving there's only seven people in wrestling media used to work with me in wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah. <laughs> but that's it, yeah. It's really good and a really good promotion as well. It, they look slick and professional, and they have... You know, medical personnel check the wrestlers before the match, which is something you don't see. They're kind of going after that realistic angle. I haven't watched much WrestleGate. They've got some props for some big angles they've done with AEW recently, uh, as far as Hangman Page and Pac were concerned. 
uh, as they've started dealing with more imports and their budget has gone up. Um, yeah, but it was uh, it was nice to showcase this company that's doing good things in Nottingham. They got Konsuke Takashita in. They they already earned my respect. <laughs> well, next we go across the bonds beyond wrestling. Uh, one of my favourite wrestling companies. Um, beyond wrestling, uh, I can remember watching them back in the early 2000s when their shows were only attended by the wrestlers who were on the card, and that was the point. And the entire point behind Beyond Wrestling was not to have storylines, not to go, so not to go episodic, but just to have matches for the sake of having matches. That's a cool match. We should have that. And I think this kind of like sums up the entire Beyond Wrestling attitude with Wheelie Utah versus Freddie Hay. In an absolutely corking, straight-up wrestling match. Now, it was a bit spot-heavy, and it was a bit overbooked towards the end, would be my criticism of it. But actually, for two guys I've never heard of, watching for the first time, they put everything into a match that could have done to make it work for me, and I wouldn't want to watch more of them wrestle, which is exactly the kind of thing Beyond have tried to do for years. And their crowd is absolutely red-hot as well. And the only thing, again, is like, since they've moved out of doing it in a warehouse when they first started, and they could actually put more production value in because they weren't worried about like blocking sightlines and stuff, they've gone onto the Elks lodges and armories of the American East Coast, which is fine. However, they do need to use some black curtains to make things a bit more presentable. See, that's the difference between European uh, places of wrestling where they do it in kind of like nightclubs and stuff, where everything's black anyway because it's a nightclub um, or an arena like the O2. That makes things easier from a production point of view, whereas this it makes it actually harder from a production point of view because as soon as you put a white rig in it, it just reflects everywhere. So that's something that indie companies in America could fix, and it's not a particularly expensive fix if they get the money. Just a thought. These curtains will be used. <laughs> Your thoughts on this, John, whilst I battle on about internal furnishings? Well, first, I want Wheeler Utah's mask. Second, I need to see way more of these guys in action because this match was insane. Uh, three, Fred Yehi's um, running drop kick to a seated opponent is probably one of the nastiest I've seen. <laughs> and yeah, I I love Beyond as well. Uncharted Territory is a great weekly show to watch. And just seeing these two sort of picked as the match to be like, hey, let's show what Beyond Wrestling's all about to a big, big audience who've probably never heard of us before. Yeah, yeah. You, you definitely gave them the best choice here because Utah's naturally likeable, Fred loves being a dick, and <laughs> it's it's just fun to watch. Yeah, it's just absolutely good stuff to watch. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I think the only sad thing was that um, they didn't pick a Dickinson match. I can see why they didn't, because they, you know, I think a lot of people know about Chris Dickinson because of the things that he's done elsewhere. So if you're going to use this opportunity, it's the brave booking opportunity. WrestleGate did it with um, Lucas Steele, really, didn't they? You know, he's a big, he's a growing name, but he's not a big name on the European wrestling circuit. So I think that was a good move. I can get you that. Yeah. Okay, next up was Smash Wrestling from Canada, A. Eh? Uh, Bobby Lashley versus Mike Bailey. So obviously Bobby Lashley, before he went to WWE, I don't think he'd be allowed to do this kind of thing. In an absolute corker, Mike Speedball Bailey is kind of one of the hidden gems of the indie wrestling circuit. And he's one of those guys who isn't quite big enough 
to make it as a main event player all the time, but when you give, give him somebody he can work with, and Bobby Lashley, by gun, was he on for this one? Uh, and he tried really hard. It's like most, most I've seen Lashley work in years. <laughs> uh, this was a corker, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Smash Wrestling, what are your thoughts, John? See, I love that Bobby Lashley had his sort of, yep, his America top team attitude where he's like, like, look at the size difference here. Just lay down, let this end, or I'm going to hurt you. And then, yeah, he just proceeded to bully Bailey for about 15 to 20 minutes, and it was just fun. It's nice to be reminded that Lashley is a great wrestler with great intensity and not... um. No, let's just not insult that. <laughs> yes, yeah. No need for run storylines, put it that way. Yeah, um, Bailey is one of my favourite indie guys, like, without a doubt. I love the shooting star double knees. I love the fact that he is, of like, a martial arts star. His kicks are, like, amazing. And, yeah, I wish... Again, kind of like Bad Bones, the company would take more of a chance on him. Yeah, I think I, I think he's I think the issue is the size thing. He's charismatic. He gets an audience. He's over. He's got everything he wants to do. He's got adaptable style. He can do anything, but it's just the size I think that causes him the issue. I think if he was like a New Japan Junior, he'd do really really well. You could see him having great matches with like Hiromu Takahashi and Desperado. But I don't think anyone. I don't think he's even big enough like the WWE Cruiserweight division. I'm not just not sure. I don't know how he fits into that company. I could see him fitting into certain places, but not others. Pretty sure if you put Bailey and Takahashi in a match, someone would leave with a broken neck because they'll have tried to go too insane. There's maybe another reason, you know, guys like that are a liability. But I do like you know, Speedball Bailey. He's and he's way over with lots of different people and lots of different territories. He's done a cracking job. Definitely. All right, then. Next, we come back to the United Kingdom and Beverly, East Yorkshire. Uh, Town Hall. NGW. Uh, one of the biggest promotions in the UK, actually. And they don't really get the respect they deserve. Damn it. I'm going to thump a table here because NGW, I am, you know, I've been involved with like WrestleTalk for a long time. And I know it's a big part of the WrestleTalk kind of deal because of NGW kind of the core basis of what would become um, WCPW wrestling and they were the core basis of literally every wrestling show you see at the seaside at Butlins Camps now are run by NGW Um, they have become a backbone of professional wrestling and their shows in Beverly and in Hull are the hottest shows you ever likely to see, you look at the audience it's full of families and kids and they tell incredible, based, incredible episodic storyline wrestling. It is, it really has kind of taken over from joint promotions and all-star promotions. It's like the, the company. I mean, all-star still going and they still do things, you know, in a, in a very similar kind of way. But like the, the thing is with NJW, they've got big names. They're like, well, the, they also become kind of the backbone for what world sport wrestling would become. And you've got two stars from that here. Justin Sizem is current, I think he's still current NGW heavyweight champion versus Rampage Brown in a main event high quality wrestling match. And you could see the difference between two guys who have been on television on a regular basis, the sharpness and how they stand out. And 
it kind of makes the NGW kind of matches unique and they stand out that way because they look so slick and well produced and well professionally produced and NGW have been doing this for a long time at a very high standard and I, I and the daft thing is I don't get to go to NGW because I don't drive and I live on the other side of the river which means even though it's 25 miles away I never get to go see any matches because it costs more money to go to see a match in Hull or in Beverly than it does to go see matches in Sheffield or Manchester for me which is really bizarre you know it's easy for me to go see, like, say, when Progress come, come to Sheffield, go see a match there or Manchester than it is because I can get buses and trains and it's easy. Whereas getting to Hull, that's ridiculous, even though it's closer by about 30 miles, which is bizarre. But having said that, from a TV presence, NDW is absolutely fantastic. And I've always really enjoyed watching their matches and the way they've been put together and the way that they've dealt with major stars. I mean, like... Uh, Zach Gibson was a big star for NGW. Um, obviously, Sizemir is now is the, the big baby face ace of the company. Rampage Brown was a baby face for a while as well. Nathan Cruz is one of the most underrated professional wrestlers in the world. Is a big part of the NGW system. Andy's from Hull as well, obviously, so as a local guy. Um, I love this match, and I love the way it's put together. I know it isn't necessarily your cup of tea, because it's a bit clean cut for you, isn't it, John? I have a lot of respect for NGW. I I love Rampage Brown. He is probably the best wrestler in Britain. I just don't like Justin Sizem. <laughs> he is the he is the perfect example of a family friendly wrestler, and I just I can't get on board with it. I love his finisher, but that's about it. I just find him like the match itself is great. <laughs> I love the fact you've got Rampage again being a dick. Nathan Cruz comes in, he's a dick. I love him. I'm happy whenever I get to see him live. It's just I can't get on board with size and so I'm just there watching this match thinking, Come on, Rampage, kill him. Just kill him. <laughs> oh well. But I mean actually the match quality is very high as you would agree to there. So NJW doing a good job. Thank you, NJW. Keep up the good work. Definitely. Oh, what was the name of the company that we were looking at in the next match? Because I can't remember. Wrestle Express? With, with something? Women's Wrestling Revolution. The one. Women's Wrestling Revolution featuring a match with the young Chris Statlander, who's very, very good. And Alicia Edwards of Impact Wrestling fame, married to that one, Eddie Edwards. This was pretty good for it. Was. It wasn't very long. Could have been longer. I would have picked the match a little bit longer, actually, if, if you were giving away a match for a major international audience. But Chris Outlander's fun. I just like her a lot. She's hilarious. I think she's really good. And Alicia Edwards does tend to bring the intensity as a heel much more than she does as a babyface in Impact Wrestling, to be honest. But she's kind of stuck. I think the trouble is she's got one of those I'm a wrestler's wife's character, which means that she's kind of stuck with whatever her husband's doing, to be honest. What's your thoughts on this, John? I'm always happy to see Chris Statlander in action. She's incredibly unique, incredibly athletic, really fun to watch. And I'd never actually seen much of Alicia Edwards in action. Like, I am watch Impact now and then, but I don't think I've ever seen her in a match there. So it was interesting to see her be this like really aggressive heel and i was just like this is this is great why why can't i see more of this <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah i must admit i'm surprised they picked such a sharp match yeah i think they probably could have picked something a bit longer 
one main eventy. But nothing wrong with this. Absolutely perfectly serviceable professional wrestling match. Um, and it, yeah, it was good for, for what it was, and it was a, a nice little palate cleanser to get you from that big kind of emotional Jason Justin Size and Rampage Brown match into this main event, which is again another emotional match. Dowie James and Will Ospreay from a recent MCW event. When I say recent, it's like between Wrestle Kingdom and now. So within there ain't been that much wrestling. <laughs> and MCW is Melbourne City Wrestling, of course, one of the biggest wrestling companies in Australia. And this was cocky. This was absolutely great. I mean, I've heard of Dowie James. I'm not seeing much of his work because obviously a lot of those guys from Melbourne City Wrestling don't get out anywhere else just because Australia's a really big place. <laughs> and it costs an awful lot to ship people in. You know, like the distance from Canberra to, to like Sydney is like the same as like Moscow to London. So it's ridiculous like travel. So it, it's, it's hard to get people to come across. Um, but this was excellent. Now, Osprey obviously has spent the last 18 months being one, the one of, if not the best wrestlers in the world, and has a tendency to get great matches out of fair to middling workers. But Dowie James was not hanging about in this. This was outstanding and a thoroughly great performance from both men. What was your thoughts on this, John? I'm in total agreement. I loved this from start to finish. Dowie James, never heard of him before this. I'm glad I have now. He is great at being, again, great guy at being a dick. Just That's that's one way to get me to like you in wrestling, just be a dick. <laughs> tai Chi, dick, I love him. It's And it was a great dynamic because you've got Osprey who will always go all out. You could tell him he's got 10 minutes with a young lion, he'll go all out on it. And then you've got someone that's forcing him to go even more all out because he's going to break every rule he can. He's going to take every cheap shot he can and he's going to just completely try to break you. I think they were playing about three different injury angles by the end of this match and it was great. You yeah. had commentary going out of their way to to like cry out injustice on Dowie's part for having to fight Osprey. And there was just... Oh, there's so much drama and so... So many just big spots and big moves and nice little touches. It's it's a main event. It yeah. felt like a main event. Yeah, and it, it was it was just really good, just well put together. And the whole day kind of like tells an emotional story. It was it was a good set of wrestling put together really well with some of the best stories that have been propped up in indie wrestling in the last ten years. Definitely. And then we still had another night to go to match up with WrestleMania's two days. We went to two days for Randy Mania, and that opened with Pete Dunne versus Will Ospreay from TNT Wrestling. Now, this was a kind of infamous match. It was the last time a New Japan contracted wrestler wrestled a WWE contracted wrestler uh, on the open market, because after this, WWE closed ranks, and so did New Japan Pro Wrestling. They're only allowed to wrestle for certain companies when they're off-duty, as it were. I mean, New Japan has a bit more freedom. They can kind of wrestle wherever they want, as long as it isn't um, all Japan or nowhere or DDT. Um, so Will kind of has a freer hand than Pete Dunne does at the moment, as far as it's concerned. Well, Pete's North American bound, and they're not going anywhere else now. But, you know, at the time, it was an interesting kind of setup for the last kind of ever kind of cross-pollination of the world wrestling scene. And... Both guys were at the absolute top of their game. Osprey's probably got better. Um, Dunn is just as good as he ever was, but you know he had more freedom here because it was they were booking themselves. This was a, a match of the number one contendership for TNT Championship, with uh, whoever was going to win was going to 
TND dark shot somewhere down the line. Um, Dunn was WWE UK champion at the time. If I can remember, we've, we've got Will Ospreay in full pomp and circumstance. I think he was challenging Hiroma Takahashi for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. They were in the middle of their feud because, of course, Will was a cat. He's not a cat. <laughs> He's <laughs> so, not a cat anymore. No. He, He's a was, sex pig. Yes, of course he is. Um, but this was like the period of time when Will was doing his four cat impersonations to try and get in the head of Hiroma Takahashi. I mean, why would you want to get in the head of Hiroma Takahashi? Really? Because it's all pink fluffy clouds and trips as far as you can see. Anywho, well, that's what was going on in this particular match. And they just did greatest hits of Will Ospreay and Pete Dunne and borrowed some stuff off Mighty Spill because he was supposed to be in that match but couldn't make it. And it was great. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't think I can add much more to that, to be honest, other than I am very jealous of that fan that got to Hurricane Rana Pete Dunn. <laughs> yes, this was full audience participation. I think this is also the match where both of them, somebody was being homophobic in the crowd, and much to both of their credit, Pete and Will refused to wrestle any further unless he was removed. Uh, up, and uh, he was shut up, and the collapse continued. You that bit where they're jaw-jacking with the crowd and they both kind of stop wrestling and just talk with the audience. Oh, Christ. Oh, I didn't actually get the context from that. Yeah, I, was, I remember them being reported, but I never saw the match at the time, so I couldn't tell exactly how it was, but I think essentially that's what happened. And the whole point is placed by the two wrestlers who kind of stop the match to say what they need to say, which is as it should be. There is a lot less of that in British wrestling than we now, thankfully. No, I, I, say, I, I think you know I agree with you there. Um, as it should be. We'll move on to the next matchup. Pascal Schweppe versus Matt Riddle uh, for the GWF Heavyweight Championship. This was really good. And again, GWF, not something I normally watch. And I've never seen Pascal Schweppe before, but he was awesome. I thought it was really good. And Matt Riddle was Matt Friggin' Riddle. And it was kind of his, again, he was the hardest prop in the indie wrestling circuit. He had New Japan and WWE, and he could choose between who we wanted to wrestle for. Um, it was fairly obviously the WWE in the end, but you know, for a long while there, it was touch and go, and he was kind of playing one off against the other to get the things he could. And this was genius. Uh, you know, he was a great wrestler. He loved wrestling in Europe, loved wrestling for progress, especially. So yes, this was fantastic. What's your thoughts on this one? It's very rare you see someone outpower Matt Riddle. So to see. Pascal, someone who I hadn't heard of, much like Dowie Jones really, just bring this Dowie James, bring out this big match out of someone we know is capable of big matches not to mention, this is a guy who wears you down by just sitting on your neck I, that's genius how is, how why, is, is no, yeah, why has no one thought of this before? Like of all the wrestlers I've seen, I've never seen anyone do that before, and it just rings of something you should do. Yeah, for those of you who are obviously who haven't seen this match or seen Pascal wrestle before, he essentially gets his opponent in the seated position and then sits on their neck. Big lad, they can't move. He's not wasting any energy. It's a brilliant, brilliant wrestling move in my book. And then he tries to decapitate you. Yeah, again, it, it, it works really well. It's really cool, and yeah, I can't recommend this match enough. It was a lot of fun. GWF doing cooking stuff again. 
I wonder if he's ever fought Eddie Kingston. That's a match I need to see. That'd be nice. I'm trying to think which contracts line up for that. It might be available for that. That'd be interesting. But yeah, I kind of like, yeah, fantasy booking Pascal Spatter around the world. Big lads wrestling. Oh, Pascal Spatter versus Tomahero Ishii. Ooh, that'd be nice. Anyway, but yes, watch Two this fridges match. collide. <laughs> Anything else you'd like to say about this match? It was bloody great. There you go. Short and simple. Well, next to the next one then. Callum Newman and Scotty Davis of Frontline Wrestling. No, it wasn't Frontline. This one, again, it was Wrestlegate, wasn't it? My this bad. Was Lionsgate tournament, wasn't it? Lionsgate tournament, yes. This was uh, an interesting match, I have to say. Because, again, two guys have not really known that well. Callum Newman is from London. He's a, a Wrestlegate, uh, sorry, Wrestlegate, WrestleTalk trainee. He's got the WrestleTalk scholarship. Uh, Scotty Davis is from Dublin. He is a very, very good Matt wrestler. And this float was really, really good. Kind of reminded me of the old days of World of Sport when you see Junior, you know, the lightweights flying about and in the preliminary matches, which kind of got you interested for the meat of what was going on with the TV show. It was kind of one of those matches. It reminded me a lot of that. And this was just good stuff. Both solid wrestlers, both solid prospects. Future of the business is very strong in Europe, I feel, because these guys like this. And, of course, you're going through that wave now. You, you've had the golden generation of Pete Dunne and Will Ospreay and those guys. Um, and now you're getting this second generation of through with people like Davis and Newman and Valkyrie and Millie McKenzie who are, like, leading the way of these people in their teens and early 20s who are going to just demolish the world because they've grown up in an environment where... Mako Satamura pops over on a regular basis to do seminars and, and wrestle you. And then she invites you back to Japan and you suddenly become one of the best wrestlers in the world because it's been deigned that you will be. So, you know, Scotty Davis and Carl Newman are taking advantage of this particular environment where, you know, there's a lot of growth available for you in pro wrestling now because there's more opportunities than there have been. And you've got more stable workplaces like places like NGW, like myself progress icw there's more places to go there's more places to be it's a really cool place for British wrestling at the minute. what's your thoughts on these two callum newman i've never seen in action before i'd obviously heard the name thrown about a lot a lot of people are very high on him and yeah he's really damn tall really damn athletic really damn fun to watch and then you've got scotty davis who brilliant matt wrestler possibly sociopathic watching this match <laughs> like he was out for blood and i was happy to see that like he was merciless it reminds me of a young day finley actually yeah I the, I obvious, the, impression. the obvious thing is like obviously they're both irish but the david finley if you watch david finley in the late 70s early 80s after his first failed run as gladiator david finley which he wasn't particularly happy about. They need to watch the Fit Finley documentary to get that joke. But anyway, when he started properly as Fit Finley in the early 1980s, he wasn't a heel to start with. He wrestled just as Dave Finley and had straight up wrestling matches as a cracking wrestling match with David Boy Smith and Dave Finley from that 1981, where Dave Finley isn't wrestling as a heel at all. He's just really stiff and straight ahead and slowly but surely will win the way he wants to win. And that's really where the Finley character came from. It became much more of a heel character, more flamboyant as he got older. But I, this reminds me of that. It's not that Scotty Davis is a good guy or a bad guy. He's there to win wrestling matches, and that's what he's supposed to do. And that's the way it works. 
and I like that a lot. I don't see enough of that, really. Anywho, it's uh, a it's a nice mix of like modern take and throwback. He's definitely going to be one of the people I watch out for more often, without a yeah. doubt. Definitely. Right then, the next we go from the sublime, indeed, to the ridiculous disco wrestling, discovery wrestling, up in Scotland, uh, and their regular crew of uh, Joe Coffey, uh, DJ Gunn, and Gervin. I can't remember his first name. BT Gunn and Lewis Gervin. Like you, BT Gunn and Lewis Gervin, who were the best wrestlers in discovery wrestling were there to take on the elite Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks in a six-man tag match, which was just mental. There's no other way of saying it. This this is kind of like the kind of match that would get Jim Cornette's little blue vein throbbing at the temple. I mean, this is like so overbooked. There is a booking sheet somewhere with bits stapled to it. So it's an A-force piece of paper with post-it notes all over it and some other bits stapled on the bottom until it's twice the size. That's how overbooked this match was. And it was still a load of fun. You forget how much fun watching the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega on an indie show was. Back, what, two, what, this was like 2017? It wasn't that long ago. 18 months, two years ago. They were just so much fun to watch. And they were clearly having the time of their lives. Bullet Club was so over with everybody everywhere. And, you know, they were doing this as a kind of like a weekend holiday where I think they did OTT Discovery and Progress or something like that over a weekend or Repro over a weekend with Cody. Um, just to get a weekend in Europe or something, just for a bit of a change, whilst they weren't on tour with New Japan. And this is just insane. And do you forget how much fun it was? What are your thoughts on this, John? Well, everyone knows I am a massive Kenny Omega mark, so just seeing him in a match ultimately gets it top marks for me. But yeah, this is just <laughs> about 20 minutes of sheer insanity. Everyone has a laugh. The super kicks galore. The Young Bucks join Kenny Omega in the Terminator dives. You get Aspen <laughs> Faith in the match as well, being a dick to keep Gervin from being pinned on multiple occasions. Everyone gets melted. Everyone gets super kicked. It's just... It's the sort of wacky spot fest you'll get like halfway through a card just to make sure everyone's having a good time. Except this was the main event and what everyone paid to see. It's got that feel, but given the like the caliber of stars involved, it's just that little bit more fun. <laughs> and you kind of forget, just especially because of how you see him booked now, that Joe Coffey has a sense of humor. Yeah, that's the thing. This was yeah, he was a big baby face in disco, wasn't he? At the time, you know, he used to come out with Iron Man because he's Iron Man Joe Coffey, you know, and yeah, he, he's a different kind of cat these days, really, isn't he? It just reminds me of the fact that Joe Coffey has wrestled some of New Japan's best because he's also he also had a massive feud with Minoru Suzuki just after they left Noah in WCPW. Yeah, he's done it all with Joe Coffey. And another underrated guy who doesn't necessarily get all of the props he deserves. I feel like NXT UK has done him a bit of a disservice because if you see like people talking on Twitter about Joe Coffey, they just... It's it's not fun. Mm. Oh, there you go. No tempting for taste, is there? <laughs> All right, then we'll move on to the next match, which was definitely frontline wrestling this time. Those who've not come across frontline wrestling, it kind of works on a New Japan kind of level. So you have young boys and young girls who who make the roster through auditions, very much in the same kind of business uh, kind of way. 
can do Russell's Mercedes Blaze, who was making her full roster debut for Frontline Wrestling. It's a very good match, um, and I liked it. I thought it was good. I think Candy is very good. I think she's going to be a good worker long-term, and Mercedes Blaze has a bit of a star written all over I like her a lot. What were your thoughts on this one, Dan? Yeah, it was great for what it was. It wasn't the tightest match we've seen, but then again, it didn't really need to be. Blaze carried sort of a lot of it through character work alone, just insulting anyone that would insult her and bullying Kanji. Yeah, that was all I can say about this because you know, Frontline are a good company. They're going to work well with this young talent and get them over. Um, it just just kind of clicked. It was good for what it was. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and it's nice that they're breaking new talent in a progressive and constructive way. It's definitely a promotion the UK needs because we don't really have that. We have dojos, but we never have like young lion style promotions. No, no, and pro wrestling have been trying to do a lot of that lately, and. Uh, I know they've been involved in Frontline as well a little bit, so yes. I can only really think of Dragon Pro when it comes to sort of... It's a different kind of environment to the way the Japanese works. Like, if you look at the Japanese companies, they maybe only pick four or five guys a year to go into the dojo, and maybe only three of them make it. Whereas wrestling, there's a wrestling school literally in every big town in the UK. You pay to be trained as opposed to... You only do it if you're really, really good. It's a very different kind of educational kind of way of developing as a wrestler and developing your, your rosters, of course, as well. All right, then we'll move on to the next one, which is a bit of an all-time dream match. Ricochet wrestles Amazing Red. Was it the AIW Championship? If I get this right. No, it wasn't. It was the... Hog House of Glory. House of Glory uh, heavyweight championship in a bit of an all-time dream match. Amazing Red showing he still does indeed have it. Ricochet before his WWE run, so we're talking about two years ago, um, after he'd won Best of Super Juniors, after he'd won the Battle of LA. This was a uh, just a dream match, and the guys at House of Glory really were blessed with this absolute corker, and they really did put their money's worth into it. Um, I really enjoyed this. What do you think, Dan? I love this. Um, yeah, every everything about it, from the sort of the feeling out process to right, flip, flip, hit, hit, kick out this, kick out. It was. It's not going to be for everyone, but for the type of people who love this style of wrestling, I don't think you're going to get much better. No, I don't think so either. It, it's just as as flippy guys go. It's as flippy as it's going to get. And flipping out, it was flippy, but it was great. I think one of my favourite spots, though, is early on in the match where, like, Ricochet is going for some sort of, like, leg lock, body scissors thing, and Red just flips him into a, I think it's a Gator clutch, and it's just like, yep, have fun with that. Yeah, just just brilliant. Two wrestlers having fun with each other and telling a story, which is really what wrestling should be. And, yeah, just really good, really solid match, and not a lot else to say about it, because, you know, if you haven't watched amazing Red matches and not been absolutely thrilled, then... Probably don't write wrestling that much. <laughs> hey, you look at the names, you know what you're going to get, and you know it's going to be good. Um, and then going from that to really quite the opposite, uh, what promotion was next there, John? This is Wrestleverse, and it's a bear with Rory Coyle versus Chuck Wood. Yes, that was. Let me say that again. A bear wrestling Chuck Wood, which is about as much as I understood of this. Uh, I'll be honest, this is the kind of thing that does float my boat. I was intrigued 
However, it was just slightly insane. We also had a uh, animal welfare officer um, come down called uh, I can't Richard remember. Richard Splash. Richard Splash. Yes. Dick Splash. Dick Splash. Um, yeah, it, it, I. It was interesting, definitely to say the least. It was entertaining, I've got to say. It was loads of fun. It probably went on slightly long. It tried my patience. It was one of those things, I think, if you were in the audience watching it and you got the entire context of what it was about, you would have enjoyed it more than watching it on video. But having said that, I, I was I was pretty hooked for this. It was fairly mental. And I like that kind of thing. Yeah, I love... I love comedy stuff, and Wrestleverse is one of these sort of promotions where it's like, right, what if we took wrestling, took established wrestlers, and flipped it so far on its head, it's ridiculous. And this match came about because Rory Coyle had some sort of feud with Chuck Wood and discovered he had a fear of bears. So what does he go and do? He makes Chuck Wood fight a bear. We won't always point out it's not an actual bear. Oh, you've just broken the magic. <laughs> I was going to wait until like the very end until you say, oh, it's a guy in a bear suit. Don't worry, he wasn't actually mauled by a bear. Well, I can you imagine filling out the health and safety forms for an actual bear in this day and age? And also, it would be really cruel and awful, so no, it's not an actual bear. Yeah. yeah. Well, just, you see Chuck Wood try to use all the sort of traditional tactics. He hides, he plays dead, he tries to bribe it with honey, which nearly works, but Rory Coyle's like, oh no, no, not happening. <laughs> it's it's just fun, and it's a nice little sort of palate cleanser between the match you've just watched and the match you're about to see. Yes, also lots of bad language. If you don't like bad language, don't watch that match. <laughs> I was going to say, that's Rory Coyle in a nutshell, though. One of the best talkers in the UK, but yeah, not not PG. Not big and not clever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we definitely go to AIW next, and this was from an Elks Lodge. And it is Sammy Callahan versus ACH. Now, long-time listeners to the show will will we'll know that my, my thoughts on Sammy Callahan are really boring. Don't like him. So this wasn't my cup of tea at all. Um, the ACH I quite like, and it was it was good. It was it was alright. What it was, but it's just that's the I could watch enjoy. So, what did you think of this, John? We're never going to agree on Sammy Callahan, are we? Because I love him. I think yep. he's great. I think he's one of the best bad guys you could ever hope for. And he knows how to to work a crowd. He knew how to get people to hate him. He made ACH look amazing. And not that ACH needs to be made to look amazing, but you know what I mean. He did. Yeah. And then to steal the win the way he did, it was just masterful. Yeah. He just speaks in a gravelly voice and everyone thinks he's brilliant. No, I don't get it. Don't. Just stop buying into it. It's not like Other people will enjoy it and I will not stop their enjoyment of it. You go watch this match if it's your thing. To be fair, I was just happy to see ACH in action again. It's something I miss. True, true story. Last time I saw ACH wrestle was an MLW episode where he teamed with King Moore against Injustice, which was in at the Opera Cup tapings, I think, last year now. Wrestling with Injustice, the story of ACH's career recently. Uh, there's something metaphorical to be said there. Indeed, yeah, very much so. 
But yes, it it was what it was. We all agree to disagree, and we shall move on. Next up was Harlem Bravado versus Corey Hollis. What company was this one? Because I couldn't quite catch the Pro out. Wrestling Experience. Pro Wrestling Experience. Another North American company was a very good match for it was it was a bit older it was the x16 trophy show final so it was kind of a showcase match for them bit of interference towards the end which is kind of like not what you normally expect for like a kind of a showcase event kind of thing but it told you really what they were about and both very good wrestlers i thought neither again not heard of either of them but they did a cracking job but it was well worth watching this match what 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 are your thoughts on this one john I was in the same boat as you here. I I'd, I'd heard the name Harlem Bravado, but I'd never I'd never seen either guy. I hadn't actually heard of the company either, which I don't know. If that's but it was great for what it was. I love brawls. I love the fact someone got kicked into doors on a, an office chair. The in ring work was great, and turns out Logan Creed, yeah was wrestling for other companies before I saw him exist in L- MLW. He was the really big guy that, that interfered near the end. Well, the thing is with events like this, you kind of like piece together where people have been beforehand, so it's well worth watching for just for that point of view. There's a bit of history here that you might not have seen. You can go find it now. Plus, if you like seeing like really overbooked finishes, <laughs> then yeah. That's yeah. supposed to Commentary did go out of their way to try and sort of reinforce what was going on because I'm pretty sure the guy that interfered first was Hollis's bodyguard for the whole tournament. Is the only yeah. reason he'd actually gotten to the final. Uh, well, see, that makes more sense as well. That, that is a thing for commentary. That is the main thing for commentary is like making sure you're telling the story of the match in context of everything you see. But yeah, it's. This was just another one of those nice sort of matches you see from, like, smaller indie companies. Yeah. And speaking of which, next matchup was two big stars, to be honest with you. Robbie X of Wrestle's World of Sports fame um, and various projects, NGW, Lincoln Spikes, as he is, as I'm from Lincoln as well. So I, was wondering, I do have a soft spot for Robbie X. He wrestled Karen Noir, your pro wrestling champion for the North. Uh, one of well, the North Premier Wrestling Promotions. Um, and this was kind of a clash of styles, but this was superb. And you were there on the spot for that match, weren't you? Yeah, I was I was there in person for this. And you can actually see me when Robbie X is um, sort of joking on with a fan who's made a really stupid champ. And I'm there <laughs> trying not to crack up. <laughs> You're looking good for the camera, clearly. Uh, I wouldn't say that, but... Yeah, this in person, this was amazing, and then on video, it was still great. Um, Karen Noir, obviously very, very technical, very strike heavy, very graceful. And then you've got Robbie X, who will literally throw himself at you. Very, quite the striker, quite the kicker. He actually broke one of his shoes near the end of the match. On. I can't remember if he was jumping off the ropes or if he just kicked Kara. But yeah. he's sort of hobbling around with a broken shoe and just <laughs> continuing. I would like to say as well, I, what I would like is two Geordies on commentary cracking the worst puns possible just continuously and going out of their way to find more horrible puns. 
Well, that's what you got with Tom Campbell and Matthew Craig. Karen Noir owned by the Queen because he's a swan. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that that was a crowd chant. That wasn't yeah. even commentary. That was the crowd. Oh, the crowd chant, but then it's just like, and Robbie X marks the spot. It's just like it's like the worst puns ever. And I think they realised they were doing it and they just went with it. We and if you have a word. No, that was just brilliant. But of course, yeah, Carnival is, of course, owned by the Queen because he's a swan. Um, but yeah, no, I just love this match. It was very much what British indie wrestling is about, I think, in that sense of insane crowd loyalty to the company and crowd chance. Now, crowd loyalty isn't always a good thing, don't get me wrong. But within this environment, small, intense wrestling space, how many people fit in that building, John? Um, I think it's between two and 300, if I remember correctly. They okay. sold out that night. Yeah, absolutely packed and tight around the ring. Proper wrestling. The last show of 2019. So yeah, so not that long ago, only six, well, five months ago. So yeah, it, it, it just goes to show you how great British wrestling can be, and in, in such a packed and tight environment. And then we move on to the main event of night two, which was a match I was in attendance. In fact, to be honest with you, this card had a lot of people from the Truthfully Show there. To be honest. Me and Cy East, we went to see it, and it was shot by Alex Edwards. He was one of the cameramen there. And obviously, we've had the guest Dan Reed and Emily Reed from Pro Wrestling Eve. One of them was ring announcing, the other one was announcing on this show. So guests uh, abounded for the Jupiter show on this. Um, and uh, my mate, Cherry Fox from Twitter, she was down there taking pictures. It was like, you know, it was brilliant. Absolutely loved this show. Going to the show was absolutely ace. Um, and it featured two wrestlers who I ended up writing an awful lot about. I did a big profile on Charlie Morgan. I did a big profile on Pro Wrestling Eve with Rek Sam. I did a big profile on Charlie Morgan uh, for uh, Total Wrestling Magazine and for FSM. And a big profile for uh, the one to watch for Sammy Jane as well for FSM. Um, and uh, Charlie Morgan turned up to be a great uh, person to talk to when you wanted uh, information about wrestlers and writing profiles as a future writer. Because she's always willing to talk and, and give you great answers. And, you know, uh, it's sad to see her retire. But this, so watching this match brought back great memories. This absolutely barnstorming match with Jessa, uh, sorry, not Jessa, that's Charlie Morgan's girlfriend, Charlie Morgan and Sammy Jane. It was just absolutely unreal to watch this match live. And you have to bear in mind, they've gone on straight after Miko Satamora and Kaylee Ray burned the house down with the best wrestling match I ever saw. And they had to go on and top that. And they had this roller coaster, roller roller coaster emotional ride. Sammy Jones beaten uh, Rhea O'Reilly the year before for the Pro Wrestling Eve Championship. She was the baddest of badass heels. Charlie Morgan came into the company after uh, a run in other promotions where she felt undervalued, where she was the workhorse, she was the grinder, where she was the one you brought in to get other people over, and she was given the shot and became the Ace of the Tournament winner in the She One. And then take that incredible run at the Pro Wrestling League Championship. And then this breathtaking match to finish the story off. And what you don't see is the smiles on the workers' faces when they come down to celebrate with Charlie Morgan. And they are so happy for her because they know what she's been through to get to that point. And I know that story and how hard it was for her. So this was absolutely a phenomenal way to finish this weekend off. John, what's your thoughts on this? As someone who came to it kind of cold, obviously I'm slightly involved <laughs> with this matchup. 
thought. What about you? What do you think of this job? See, I always loved seeing Charlie Morgan wrestle, so to see her win a big title, that, yeah, that was great. Eve as a company, I don't have a lot of experience with. Obviously, I hear about them all the time. I love the work they do. I They recently live-streamed just before Mania the M Wrestle Queendom show, which was the first full show of theirs. I'd what well, however much of it they streamed that mm. I'd seen, and I love the company. I love the atmosphere. I love how they present themselves, and this was a great another great example of that. It got hardcore. Charlie dived off a balcony. I just sort of watched that and thought, oh, don't go wrong, don't go wrong. <laughs> I I love high risk spots so seeing things like that that was great sammy jane someone i haven't seen in action all that much again it's a name i hear all the time and i'm aware of the sort of reputation she has for being a great worker and yeah i agree she was great at controlling the match at times and it was just really well done the more i try to think about and dissect it i'm just like why bother it's just a great match. What you didn't see uh, underneath that balcony dive was the entire Progress roster stood watching her going, oh my God, and their jaws dropping. There was Chris Brooke, Kid Lycos, um, and a bunch of others were all stood, stood there just what did they just, because it was Super Strong Style 16, same weekend, and that had happened during the afternoon, and they'd all kind of snuck across from Alley Pally to Bastion Green to come watch the matches. Because um, obviously, friends are working on a show, but it was just like unreal watching some of the best workers in the UK watch these women wrestle. It was like insane. Um, you didn't really put that obviously because they were only trying to stay out of the way of cameras for contractual reasons. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, and it was just like this is where the best workers come to watch the best workers work. You know, favorite wrestler, favorite wrestler of wrestling at the show. This is insane. You watch that show again and relive it um, like 18 months later. Did that really happen? Was that 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 show that cool? Yes, it was. Absolutely, yes, it was. So there you go. Um, and that gives you two nights of wonderful wrestling, seven hours of entertainment when you're locked in and can't do anything. An ideal way to pass your bank holiday weekend. So this afternoon, because this will go out on Monday morning. So this afternoon, if you've got nothing to do, you should watch this. Then you should take your credit card out and you should go give some money to that GoFundMe that's attached to those pages and give the good boys at WrestleTalk some support putting such a wonderful thing together and I really appreciate them doing it. Have you got any final words about these shows, John? It would definitely be a great way to pass the time, stop you going stir-crazy. <laughs> hell of a lot of great matches, hell of a lot of great people, some new faces for me to keep an eye on. And, yeah, I, I agree. If you can, donate to it. It's... <laughs> We've all got to help each other out in times like these. Indeed, Indeed we have. We hope you're all fit and safe and following national guidelines about keeping yourselves fit and safe. Take care. We will see you again next week. Not sure what we're covering next week. We're trying to fit all sorts of different things in. There is loads of free wrestling to watch at the minute. There's all sorts of other places you want to keep yourself entertained. Just stuff like this. Um, and you should watch it and have some good times with the pro wrestling world and support as many people as you can. Thank you for listening today. My name's James Troopany. You can find me at Troopany Show. I'll make fun of the show at Troopany Show on Twitter. You can find me at Sheriff Lone Star on Twitter. Where can we find you, John, on your socials? 
Uh, you'll find me on Twitter. I am John Deathman. Feel free to read my works on Steel Chair Magazine. I have been bringing some of the, well, interviewing Deathmatch talents, trying to keep things going. Hell, if I've got a lockdown, I'll try and make things even gorier. But yeah, it's mainly Twitter that kind of leads off to everything else. John's title at uh, at Steelchair is Editor of Death. Um. Yeah, <laughs> it bleeds. I'd probably write about it. There you go. You can find me at Showfluencer, like I said. You can find the show at Troopany Show on Twitter, The Troopany Show on Facebook, and on Patreon, where you can keep The Troopany Show free forever for everyone. Please talk to our partners, powerslam.tv, where if you use our code MULLETWATCH, you get a free month. Also, Indie Empire Wrestling Magazine, who will, will be relaunching soon. Take care. Thank you very much for listening to us today, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Goodbye. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv.